Do you have a honeydew list for your RV that's as big as the one for your house? Is there a list of RV projects that you've been meaning to get to to make your RV more efficient, more homey, more pleasant to be in? Well, I'm going over my own honeydew list today and sharing the projects I've been putting off but am hoping to get done over this winter. Maybe a few of them are on your list too and you'll be inspired to get them done. Hello, my name is Janine Pettit and I'm a girl camper. I go places and do things with other adventurous and curious women. We camp like girls in tents, vans, travel trailers, motorhomes, and even cars. We travel solo and in groups to girl camping gatherings, large and small, to bucket list destinations with friends, or on our own to wherever the wind blows us. On this show, we'll talk about the qualities of a girl camper and how you can be a girl camper too. The girl campers are having a party and you're invited. Stay tuned while we share what's happening on the back roads of America the Beautiful. The Girl Camper Podcast is brought to you by our consortium of girl camper friendly RV dealerships. General RV with 13 locations in the U.S., Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia, and Bankston Motorhomes with three locations in Alabama and two in Tennessee. Also providing support and sponsorship for Girl Camper is Campco Manufacturing, makers of over 4,000 products for your RV, boat, and tailgating needs. And GoRVing.com, home base for everything you need to get started RVing. And of course, our friends at Liberty Outdoors, makers of the Max and Mini RVs. On today's show, I'm sharing my projects list for the winter. I'm going to make use of these winter months to get some of these things that I've been putting off done. I spent a whole lot of time prepping our R-Pod raffle trailer for someone else to enjoy while my own trailer sits in the driveway with a list of unfinished projects. I feel a little bit like the shoemaker's kids. So I plan on getting some of these things done over the winter so that when I take off for Texas in the spring, I'm gonna be traveling in the RV that exists in my head. The, this vision is gonna become a reality. So stay tuned while I share some of the what I'm gonna be doing, but also how I'm gonna be doing it, and maybe you'll be inspired to find something to do in your RV too. Stay tuned. Before we head into our segment, I've got a message from our friends at Camco. You know Camco, they make things, they make 4,000 things. And one of the things I want you to check out at this time of year is Camco's line of Life is Better at the Campsite goodies. I have been ordering these things left and right because they've got some great RV gifts that are pretty and practical, but also super budget friendly. A few of my top picks for holiday gift giving this year are that bamboo cutting board in the shape of a vintage camper. It's $25. What a great gift to give to that person who always brings great food to the campground. I also love the Camp Coat Night Lights. I have them at home and in my camper. 
There's one that looks like a camper, and there's another one that looks like a campfire. They are just $12.99, the perfect price point for a grab bag or stocking stuffer. I also love the Camco baseball hats that are just $9.50 on Amazon. So head over to Amazon, just type in, life is better at the campsite, Camco, and you'll find a whole list of fun and inexpensive gifts for your RVing friends. Thanks, Camco, for making so many things so pretty. Welcome back, everyone. I, I've got to tell you something. So between you and me and the wallpaper, the Spoonflower wallpaper, last spring when I was busy working on that beautiful R-Pod um, 196 trailer that Forest River donated to us for the Girl Camper Charity Raffle, still going on. We can talk about that later. All of my design juices were flowing like crazy. It, it was so much fun taking that RV from factory to fabulous. It just made me want to dive into my own Max and do all of the things that I dream of doing and never got around to. So I held off on those things because for two reasons. One, I'm just crazy busy. <laughs> and two, because... I feel like when something is new, whether it's your house or you're going to design a, a bedroom or any kind of design project, you kind of got to get a feel for the space before you go at it. So I really kind of wanted to bond with my Max and feel like, you know, what do I want this to feel like? When I did my vintage lake house trailer, I knew exactly what I wanted in that trailer. But with the Max... I have a general idea of this vintage camp feel I want, but I haven't chosen all of the design elements. I've kind of just been looking around the trailer and getting a feel for it, and little by little it is coming together. So what I wanted to do this year is just make those finishing elements in those trailers. So it's all about how a space makes you feel. And I always want the space I'm in to feel warm and welcoming. And for me, that always goes back to old things that I love and that have meaning to me. Every trailer I have ever had has contained something that my Aunt Betty gave me or that once belonged to one of my grandmothers or the bedspread my grandmother gave me when I got married, which is so beat up, but I cut it down to a duvet and I keep it in my trailer because it was such a sweet gift from her. I also have a photo in my camper that's been in every RV that I have ever had. It's of myself and my six siblings on a lake vacation with our grandma and grandpa Hill. It was taken in like 1964 or 1965. We're also cute in our little pixie haircuts and hoodie sweatshirts. It's framed in an old green chipped up frame that looks great with all these other sentimental and cozy things. And it just kind of harkens back to that day when life seems so much simpler. And that's what I want the camper to feel like. Cozy, happy things, kind of old fashioned. So... My design strategy is always to gather these items that I want to surround myself with and that once I have these items that I want in the space, I create an inspiration board around them and I start piling these things up and just start playing house with them. 
they get moved into the camper. And then if I find that they're hard to travel with, then they have to go because something can be as lovely as can be. But if you're walking around the camper thinking, where am I going to put this? It doesn't really have a spot. It doesn't have a purpose. I have to get rid of it. In an RV, you can really, really love something but not be able to practically travel with it. So over the year and a half that I've had my Max, I've pretty much whittled down the items I'm keeping in there and that I've actually found a purpose for. It's a small space and everything has to have the form and the function. It has to be pretty and practical. So I've whittled it down and I'm ready to start working on it. So I have two sets of goals for my Max for the winter. The first is to do a few jobs that are practical things that will help the RV be more functional for me, especially on long trips. I have noticed that when I'm on long trips, that's where I can really get into the practical side of my RV. Those things don't really bother me on three-day weekends, but when I'm gone for five weeks, then I'm like, this cabinet isn't working for me. So there are things that I want to fix in that. Uh, and it's not a design problem with the Max because it has like incredible storage, but it is a way of fine tuning it, making it more practical. So I want to do those things. The other thing I want to do is to complete some of the elements of design that I feel will wrap up all those homey items I have. It's not quite blended. It's not got the finishing touches. So first for the practical things. One of the things I really want to do over the winter is I want to install roller baskets in the pantry. So the upper pantry cabinet is so deep in that max. I love it because it really does hold a lot of stuff, but I can't get at it. This cabinet is so deep. Literally, when I open the cabinet door and stick my arm in there, it goes all the way to the back and hits my armpit. It's that long. So when I have to reach something in the rear, literally my whole arm has to go into the cabinet. And then it's just one big guessing game as to what I'm actually going to get a hold of because it's dark inside the cabinet. So there's no lighting in there. And I, I get back there and I think something's back there or I, I've got my flashlight and I'm looking and I'm like, oh, there's the can I'm looking for, but I'm grabbing six things. So you know what? Duh. Ugh. I've been following along on the Max Owners page and several people have installed these. I thank them. I love these people who, who do the projects and take the time to snap all the pictures and tell us what went wrong and all the things we should avoid and specifically what brand we should buy in order to do it. So thank you all of you people over at the Max page. There's five shelves in my pantry. So installing rollers is going to take away some of the available width. So this is a trade-off when you install the rollers. The cabinet is wide, but in order to um, get the roller to go in and out, you're giving up several inches on either side. To me, this is going to be a good trade-off for the convenience of being able to pull the drawer out and see what is actually in it. I may not do all five drawers because I don't need to. Really, it's the pantry part that drives me nuts when I can't see what my my canned goods are. Also in my Max trailer, there's 57 square feet of storage, which is a ton of storage for such a small trailer. And 
I'm usually traveling solo in it. So I don't really need to like maximize every square inch like I'm traveling with the family for five for months on end. So I can afford to give up a little bit of that space. So that is one of my projects for this winter. I'm going to put rollers for starter. So next spring, I'll figure out if this works well for me. I'm going to put them in the upper pantry cabinet so I'll be able to roll them out. And the top shelf of that pantry cabinet, because it's actually taller than me, that's where I store cutting boards and linens and tablecloths. It's not very heavy things, but it's going to be easier for me to be able to pull them out and see them. On the bottom underneath that is where I store canned goods. You know, just the coffee, the creamer, powdered creamer, sugar, things like that. I want to be able to roll that out and be able to grab them. The other thing that I think is going to be helpful here is that those have like a locking mechanism in them. And so a lot of times when I'm driving, even though I've changed out the the snap clips that hold your drawers, um, doors closed when you're traveling, they keep breaking. I, I, I'm on my like third set of those clips. So I'm figuring if I put the roller drawer in there, the roller basket, and then I do a spring rod in front of it, it's not going to roll out and force the door open. So I think I'm going to be solving two problems with this little project. Okay, also on the practical list for me is to install hinges on the plywood seat cushions that the booth um, is on. So I can access one of those benches in the booth by a door. So when I walk in the door of my camper, right there on the bottom of that very first booth is a door that opens toward the bathroom and I can look in there with a flashlight. But again, super deep, can't see what's back there. I can see what's up front. I usually keep a couple pair of shoes there. But what's also in that cabinet is all of my uh, first aid kit, uh, sunblock, thing, things that I really do kind of use a lot. So what I end up doing is taking the cushions off, putting them on the table, and then the piece of wood that is sitting there is not hinged. It's just a piece of raw plywood, and I usually have to get like a little screwdriver or fork or something to get up underneath it. There's no hole cut in it where you can put your finger in it and just pull it open. So that's what I want to do. I want to put a little handle on it, and I want to put a set of hinges on it so I can just open it up and see down into that. That is going to be a simple project. It shouldn't cost me more than $10 for hinges, and it shouldn't take more than like an hour to do. I've done it on almost every single trailer I've ever used. I don't know why manufacturers don't do this, but they don't. So one of the things I know from doing this project in the past, the best way to do these hinges is with the piano hinge. So when you go to the home goods store, the Lowe's or Home Depot, wherever you buy these things, there's many different kinds of hinges and you of course want them to lay flat. I've done this several times and if you use the long piano hinge, even though it has like a hundred screws in it, it opens so much nicer and it stays nice and tight. So I'm gonna do the piano hinges on mine. They come very long, but you can cut them down to the size you want with a hacksaw and you don't have to use the whole thing. So you can buy the three foot long one, cut it in half and use 18 inches on one side and you can use the other 18 inches on the other bench. Um, 
When I'm working on this project, one of the things I want to do is get a battery-operated light. So I keep buying these at the dollar store, and they don't stay stuck, and the batteries don't last. I just need one of those lights that you install on the wall in there so that when I open this thing up, I can push that light on, and I can see what's in the cabinet. So I've got to get some kind of light inside that cabinet, too. So that should be an afternoon project, and I'm looking forward to having that done because it's just very convenient to be able to access your things, and it's just a little step that makes life in the RV so much nicer. Okay, so the third thing on my practical list is to swap out the door handle for a keyless entry. This is going to involve my husband, but he loves this kind of project. This has been something I've been wanting to do for a long time now. I did it on my house last year, which solved a lot of problems because there's a lot of people coming and going all the time, and there was always someone who didn't have a key. So we just put a keyless entry on the door now, and it's so great. I want one on the RV, too. I have a couple of reasons for putting this on the RV. The first is because I have seen people locked out at the campsite so many times. My poor friend Mary and I, we were camping just 20 miles from home. And somehow when she was driving over, she didn't think her door was locked. But the jiggling of the camper when you're driving made the lock go on. And she didn't have the key for the door. Her husband was able to bring it over, but not for several hours. So she was just locked out of her RV for several hours. Um, I've seen this happen over and over. People forget the key. They lose the key. Your spouse is hiking and he's got the key in his pocket. We have seen people thread little kids through the storage compartment and up into the RV in order to unlock the door from the inside. I've watched people destroy a screen and push open a window to get it in. So a keypad would just be way easier. There's also a bit of a safety issue with RV keys. There's a universal lock and it's numbered CH751. Most manufacturers use this and it's not just the RV industry. They use this on the storage things that, um, that go on the back of your truck that hold all your tools. Practically every golf cart that has a storage compartment in it has this lock. So the CH751, it opens basically every storage compartment in like 70% of campers. So that puts your things in your storage bins at risk for being stolen. I've never had that happen to me, but it does happen. If you look on, on this um, websites and people who talk about these in for, forums, you'll see that it happens. So... The door keys on RVs can also be opened with a master key. So it's not that hard to get a master key. They do this because if you think about RV showrooms, you know, there's a thousand five hundred campers on display and they want to open these every day so people can see them. They can't be running around with 500 keys trying to match them in the locks. There's a master key that opens most RV um, locks. So most doors on RVs have a deadbolt. And if the deadbolt is locked, that's a separate key. And you're unlikely to be able to get past that unless you, you know, just kill the door with a crowbar or a screwdriver. But it's you're not going to be able to get past that. Anyway, my thought is 
let me replace all of the locks on my storage doors. So there's a company called ch751.com. There's a couple of other companies. I've never used this company and not promoting them, but they have good reviews. They create individual keys for each customer. So you can order them for your compartments and they will make a specific key just for you. They don't send you a lock that's one of 10 designs. So every lock they send is perfectly keyed just for your door. So I just feel like that's something I would invest the money in. It's not that um, expensive and I'd like to have it done. Now, for the main door on my camper, I'm going to go with the RV lock keyless entry system for that door. This is a battery run system that has a backup key in case the batteries die before you replace them. So they run on two AA batteries. It will give you a warning like beep, beep, replace the batteries. So you'll have time to replace them before you're actually not able to use the keypad to get in. If it did die, like I said, there's a key that you could bypass it with. So the keypad lights up at night too. So when you come and it's dark out, you don't have to get a flashlight out. You touch the thing and the lights go on. You can set your own code. So you can put it to something that's easy to remember. Like somebody, most people have a pin number that they use that's in their brain. And you can set this to your own pin number. There's several different companies that make these and they cost anywhere from $100 to $200. To me, it seems like money well spent when you consider $1 to $200 is less than what your insurance deductible would be if you had a break-in and you lost your cameras and your, you know, your um, laptops or anything that was valuable in your camper. So you know what? been thinking about this for years and I'm just finally going to do it this winter. So that's what's on my practical list of things to do. And there's probably more, but I'm not going to let myself think of them. I'm setting the goal of these things for projects this winter. So before I go into talking about what's on my cosmetic list of things to do, I want to bring you a message from our friends at Go RVing. I want to ask you if you've ever visited Go RVing's away microsites. They are so much fun. We have and we love the collection of adventures they've gathered there. You'll find me in there. Girls just want to have fun. Go RVing came out and made a whole video about all the fun girl campers have, but there's so many videos there from the mountains to the sea, from wine country to Alaska. It's all these inspiration videos that tell you about people's real life stories when they hit the road in their RVs. And there's I'm telling you, that one with the grandpa and the dad and the and the son and the pop-up makes me cry every single time. Just multi-generations fishing. And isn't that why we all RV? So there's over 4 million miles of roads in these beautiful United States. And some are going to lead you home, but some take you away. So go over to Go RVing and find your way. Okay. I want to come back and I want to talk about the cosmetic side. So I have a few projects that I have not been able to get to. And the first one of them is to recover the cushions in my booth. So for many years, I ran a one-woman workroom sewing cushions and throw pillows and duvets and other high-end custom-made draperies at home. And I did this for a couple of uh, very fancy interior designers that I knew. I was fortunate enough to have learned these skills in high school when they still taught this kind of stuff. And I, I hope they still do. I, I really don't think they teach sewing. By the time I was a senior in high school, I was in advanced tailoring. 
And so I got all those skills in a high school and they have served me well over the years. I've always sewn as some kind of side gig and I always use that money to pay for the extra household things that I wanted when money was tight. And also as a form of relaxation, I love to sew then and I still love to sew now. I just don't have the time to sew that I used to have, but I'm gonna make the time for these cushions because having these done in a workroom is really costly and time is money. So for me, you know, mm, what do I wanna do here? The going rate for a box cushion is about $125 in New Jersey near me. So a box cushion is a higher end way of wrapping the cushions in your camper. A box cushion is your top fabric and then it has piping going all the way around the top and then it has what we call the riser with a zipper in it and then there's more piping and then there's the bottom cushion. These um, box cushions are really labor intensive. They're beautiful, but they're labor intensive. If you have four cushions in your RV like I do, if you're in New Jersey, you're gonna pay about $500 for labor alone. So that doesn't even cost uh, you know, factor in the cost of your fabric. Um, these cushions though, look really custom when you have them. So in a small space, custom made cushions make a very big impact. So if any of you can remember the mini max that I did, I recovered the cushions in my mini max and I did every single step I would have done in a workroom. I did the extra upholstery batting before I put the new slip covers on. So I used the fabric that was already covered. It's a vinyl. The, the Liberty Outdoors, now Extreme Outdoors people, cover theirs in a durable kind of vinyl kind of fabric. I did not take that off, but I wrapped it in extra batting and then I hand sewed that batting all the way around. It's bigger than the cushion, but when you stuff it into the new fabric cushion cover, the new box cushion that I made, it looks like a very custom high-end upholstered piece of furniture. It is what a high-end couch would look like, the sofa on a high-end couch. So really worth the extra $20 in the probably hour per cushion it took me to make those. The fabric on those cushions in the Mini Max was so beautiful. And I also used two fabrics. So when you flipped the cushion over, it, there was a different design. So I could get a kind of a two for one. It was a huge project and I probably had 20 hours into making just those four cushions for the Mini Max, but I love them so much and they made such a big design impact in that small space. Now, don't despair if you don't possess advanced tailored um, sewing skills because there is a really simple shortcut to this that I have done in trailers too and I think it's just as nice. Well, maybe not just as nice, but it's a practical solution for those that don't want to invest all the time and money in box cushions, which I wouldn't do unless I was keeping that camper for a very long time. So this is the shortcut. You don't have to spend a lot of time and dollars to get this look. So you can staple a new fabric cover over the manufacturer's cushions. It won't be reversible anymore, but it is simple and it's economical. 
Most RV cushions are quite sturdy and they're covered in a fabric that is meant to wear well. So a shortcut is that you can measure the cushion and then cut a piece of quarter inch plywood that is one inch smaller on each side of what the cushion is. So for example, if your cushion is 16 inches deep by 45 inches wide, you would cut that plywood at 15 inches by 44 inches. So when the manufacturer's cushion is placed on top of the plywood, all the way around you have a half inch overlap of the cushion on top of the plywood. The reason that you want this is because when you wrap the fabric around and staple it, you do not want that plywood right on the edge where every time you get in and out of the booth, it's gonna rub on it because it is gonna wear and eventually it will break through and then your fabric will have to be replaced. So once you cut that plywood, you really wanna get a piece of sandpaper and sand and round off the edges. When you do the corners, round them off a little and then you simply cut a piece of fabric large enough to wrap around and cover the plywoods the size and go underneath covering the plywood by an inch or two and then just use tons of staples. It's really the same thing you do when you recover your dining room chairs. So I'm going to do the labor intensive version and make the cushions reversible again because I'm keeping this camper for a very long time. But if you're a person who likes to change your style, this is a great way, the, the plywood version is a great way to just find a clearance fabric, wrap it around. If you don't like it six months later or you wanna cover it again because you, you know, you're just changing your look or you wanna change it out for seasons, you can do that. You can put the new fabric on top of the old too. You can do that one or two times before the staples get too yucky. So for me, I'm gonna do the labor intensive version and I'm gonna make the cushions reversible again. Uh, wish me luck on this. The hardest part for me on this is actually deciding on a fabric. I have commitment issues when it comes to fabric because it's going to cost a lot of money. And even though I'm doing it by myself, just purchasing the, the amount of fabric that I'm gonna need to do it and putting that time and labor in. So I, I have to choose a fabric that I'm absolutely going to love for years. I'm gonna post this on Girl Camper when I get done with it. It is absolutely gonna be a labor of love. The next thing on my cosmetic list is to wallpaper. So last year I kind of fell into this removable wallpaper thing and without doing very much research at all, I just bought a removable wallpaper on Amazon and I put it up at, on one wall in my RV. I actually did it when I was camping in Colorado on a rainy day. I had it in there and thought I'll take advantage of this rainy day and put it up. I didn't continue because I didn't love the design and I didn't love the paper. It was peeling back at the corners. So that was before I knew about the spoon flower paper. So now, having worked with both of them, the Amazon paper, and I'm calling it the Amazon paper because I don't know who the manufacturer was, but it was a vinyl fabric and it was more like contact paper, like high-end contact paper. The spoon flower wallpaper is actually fabric that they have attached an adhesive to, and it was so much easier to work with and so much prettier. It just felt so much more substantial. So I want to go with spoon flower now. 
I'm planning on wallpapering the bedroom ceiling. So if you know what the Max looks like, it has that big curved ceiling over the bed, which is a lot of white. So I'm going to find some little designs, something small, maybe little arrows or something. Put it on the ceiling in a little bit of area beside the windows uh, where the head, where your pillows are on that camper. I'm going to do that with one pattern. But then I'm going to use another pattern in the booth area and the wall that is across from the kitchen. So the vinyl I already put up there, I, it peels off so easily. So I'm going to just get that off. So like the cushion fabric, the problem with me is always making the selection. And, and, and you get to a point where you just have to decide, you know, just make a choice. But because the space is so small, I need to choose something that's going to add dimension, but somehow blends. Something that's there, but it's monochromatic, and it adds this, but it doesn't, doesn't make any kind of design statement. It just creates that homey feeling. So when I finally decide, though, this project should not take very much time at all. I wallpaper the R-Pod in less than two days with three different papers, and we literally covered every piece of wall space in that R-Pod with wallpaper. So Spoonflower was really easy to work with. They have 750,000 patterns. And if I had the time and energy, I could actually design my own, send it in, and they would make it for me. I'm not going to do that because I don't. I just want to order it. And out of 750,000 patterns, I think I should be able to find something. So wallpapering that is going to, I think, bring all those other design elements I have all around together. So the one last cosmetic project I'm on the fence about, and that is doing something with my tabletop. It's white like the countertops, and it's really kind of bland. In my old trailer, I put an antique tabletop that I cut down on the base that the manufacturer had provided. It was so pretty because it looked like a dining room, had this beautiful filigree woodwork around it, and it was gorgeous. The problem with this idea, trying to implement this in the Max, um, the Max has the beautiful walnut dark wood, and that's a lot of dark wood in a really small space already. So I don't think I want to add a dark tabletop in there. So I'm toying with the idea of resurfacing that table somehow, maybe with an old map. I don't really love that either. So I'm open to ideas on this one if you have any suggestions. I might just replace the tabletop with planked wood, something. I don't know. I'm going to replace that table. And the one last thing I'm on the fence about there is finding a way to cover the LED lights, which are those little plastic half moon globes. They give off really bright light, and they're just not really that pretty. So I want to create some kind of cover for them, but I'm not sure what yet. I'm open to ideas here, too. One of the ideas I'm toying with is some kind of little cylinder that will surround that light. I like the lights. They have a little on-off switch. They're very convenient, but they're super bright. It's like the gym lights, and I want to be able to tone them down. So I have been walking up and down the canned good aisle in the supermarket looking for cans that are slightly bigger and wondering if my friend Angela Boone Leachman, who some of you know as the glitzy glamper, can use her metal laser cutter to create a design in them. And then I can surround the little plastic light with something prettier. 
Angela has a business where she makes these gorgeous light fixtures from old metal cans and propane tanks. You name it, she'll use it. She uses a laser torch to cut designs into them, and then she paints them in these spectacular patterns. I don't know how she comes up with the designs in her head. She has so many of them, and she never seems to repeat a pattern. She sells them at Roundtop in Texas, and through her site, The Glitzy Glamper, she go over and take a look at it. Oh, I've just been wanting to order one from her. So this would be kind of a tiny project for her, but I'm hoping she can do it. And she is so talented, I would just give her carte blanche. I would let her put whatever she wants. But my job is to find the can and figure out how I am going to attach it to the ceiling. I don't want to glue it on there. I've got to come up with some way I can attach it, but that the attachment is will be reversible if I want to take it off and it can't be seen. So I want to close out this show with a uh, challenge to girl campers who, like me, have an undone honeydew list on their RVs to use the winter months when most of us are in that waiting room to knock off one or two projects off your list. If you do, please post them on our Facebook page and share that inspiration or submit them over to the Girl Camper Stories on girlcamper.com because we love to share everybody's trailers. Everyone loves to look at what everybody has done in their trailers. It's so beautiful and visual and inspiring to people. So be sure to come over and visit our new website and check out all of our Girl Camper Guide pages and our experts and our wisdom writers at um, as well. There's so much to indulge your senses in over there. I want to thank everyone who participated in our great kickoff of our new website. I'm happy to say we had tons of traffic, but we didn't crash. So, so that was great. Everything we planned on worked, and we're still fixing little glitches, but thank you everyone for your wonderful notes. I want to thank our friends before we head out at Setzer's World of Camping. You know that's our friend Lynn Butler. She is a girl camper, but she also owns an RV dealership, Setzer's World of Camping in Huntington, West Virginia. They are the first-time buyer's dealership. I'm going to be there in March again for our annual camper college. They have the most experienced staff at Setzer's who always helps you find the right model. I love this about Setzer's. Before they take you shopping and walk around with you, they want to see what your tow vehicle is. They're not going to show you things that you can't tow without making you aware that, you know, if you love this, you're going to have to upgrade your tow package. They have 150 new and used trailers on the site all the time. Their staff is going to help you assess the perfect match for your tow vehicle. They never let anybody leave without giving them their camping starter kit. They have a reputation for selection, quality, service, competitive pricing. They're the go-to dealer in Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio, and Tennessee as well. To look at their selection online, go to girlcamper.com. And very shortly, we're going to put out the dates for our camper college because that's really our kickoff weekend. When we all gather, we've been doing this, I think it's our fifth year now. I look forward to that so much because we get to get a little jump on the camping season. We always do it in March and it's chilly out, but then we all get this feeling that our camping season is right around the corner. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. I hope everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. Have a blessed week. Happy trails.